Good morning, everybody. Good to see you guys this morning. Happy New Year. And I tell you what, this morning, I know we touched heaven this morning. How many agree with worship? Well, we touched heaven. I tell you what, it's hard to preach after all that. So come back up and sing and sit down. Anyway, but I'm glad to see everybody. It's a new year. 2020 is just thrusted upon us. And uh, we're going to start a new series called Amazing Grace. How many are particularly happy about God's grace in your life? Amen. So what it is, the goal of this series is to present, we want to present a theological, practical uh, view of grace and how it can result in an amazing experience with God versus working so hard. And how God's grace not just abounds to us, it also reigns in our lives and how God is so much for us. And we're going to actually kick off this week, um, starting tomorrow with a fast. You know how it is when I used to play um, football, every new year you come ready to hit, you're ready to go hit, ready to go hit. And the coach will make you sit down, and he'll go over again what the football is all about. This is, he got this from, um, from uh, one of the coaches for Green Bay. He said, this is a football, gentlemen, Lombardi. Gentlemen, this is a football. Now you're going to run, and you're going to run, and you're going to run. Are we going to hit? No, you're going to run. You're going to run the steps. You're going to run the bleachers. You're going to run for the next three weeks. I thought we were going to hit. No, you're not going to hit anything for at least four weeks. I'm going to teach you the fundamentals. And when you see the Bible, a lot of ways are like that. Say, go. God says, go make disciples. But he told the disciples, and everywhere you see, when they want to go do something, he says, stop. Pause until you receive everything you need to go do what you're going to do. And that's what this week is about, us stopping for a moment. Because everyone wants to hit 2020 fast, but God says, you want to hit it smart. So take a, we'll take a time. We're going to be here all week, and I'll talk about that more toward the end of this, this, uh, this uh, message today. He says, stop. Just stop and really catch up, you know, catch, see where I'm at, and then go ahead and go with 2020, and I'm really excited about that. So we're going to really talk about today. We're going to go talk about consecration. Now, when we were putting this together, we were putting out um, email, and we were putting out... Uh, what you call a group me's, and a lot of questions kept coming back, says, Pastor Rich, what is consecration? And I noticed they don't know what consecration is. So I said, let me spend a whole series, and I'm going to spend a whole sermon on consecration. And we're going to really talk about it. We're going to go into the book of Joshua and talk about Joshua. If you know about Joshua, he was the assistant to Moses, the children of Israel coming out of Egypt. Moses was the leader. And they want to go into the promised land. You go to Numbers chapter 13. They want to go into the promised land. And they sent the spies in to see how the land was. And the whole idea was for you to figure out which roads we're going to take. They came back, 12 guys. 10 guys had a bad report. Joshua and Caleb had a good report. So what did God do? Everything they said, he gave them. He, he, he fulfilled their prophecy. We're going to die in the wilderness? He says, yes, you are. You're all going to die in the wilderness and your kids will go in. And the assistant to that to Moses was Joshua. And at this moment, Joshua is going to go into the promised land. But Joshua had strict instructions on how to enter the promised land, right. how to go into the promised land. And it had to deal with, I already have a plan, but I want to prepare you for my plan. And you must be prepared for my plan Amen. so to execute it. And when you talk about consecration, it's about us being prepared for the things that God has for us. So we're going to hit the story here. If you know about Joshua, his name means Yahweh is salvation, which means Jesus. That's what his name means. 
So he was the one to bring them salvation into the promised land. We're going to go to one, just one passage. It's Joshua 3, 5. Joshua 3, 5. Then Joshua said to the people, Consecrate yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this morning. Thank you for 2020. But I thank you, Lord, that we're able to uh, delight in your in worship today. And Father, your heart says you are well pleased in our worship. And I thank you inhabited our worship. And you sent down your angels to bring peace where there might be division. And I thank you this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, now let me hit the big word here. Consecration. Now, what it means is it refers to a personal things being separated to or belonging to God. But it also means this. As we gave our life to Jesus, before we gave our life to Jesus, we were really walking with the devil. So we got, and he pulled us and separated us from that so we can be separated to something. Making sense? So the separation is called consecration. Now, what it is, they are holy and you're sacred. It means they are holy and they're sacred. Something belongs to God. As Christ followers, we all belong to God. Isn't that amazing? We belong to God. Doesn't matter where you're born, how you're born, you belong to God. And he calls us to separate, which that word means sanctify, to come apart to do things for him. Now, we talked about last week when I talk about the church ecclesia, means the called out ones, a called out assembly, a called out people. Well, we're really a called out peoples separated for the work of God. And he tells them that, and you're really set apart for the service of God. Everyone say, I'm set apart for the service of God. Now, if you're not serving, you ought to be convicted. God's a great employer. Amen? So, the first words he gave, Joshua said to the people, after he heard something, he got some instructions from God, consecrate yourself, which in the Hebrew means kadash. He said to be separate, to be ready for service, said, I need you to separate from sin. I need you to separate from the entanglements of life. How many feel like you can get entangled with life quickly? I want you to entangle, and he says, I want you to be separate, separate to the Lord's mission and be ready to take the land. You need to be ready, guys, when the Ark of the Covenant moves. Now, the miracle was this. The wonders was a miracle. They were going to cross into the Jordan in the springtime when it was over, over, uh, over uh, filling their, their um, uh, got to make sure I get this right. It was running high, let me put it this way. It was overflowing the banks. And they were going to get and walk through that on dry land like they did the Red Sea. It's an amazing thing. When they went through the Red Sea, went through the Red Sea, all the nations on the other side were scared already. But they were more... The, Israelites weren't walking with God fully, so when it's time to go take the land, now the people were already, okay, they're coming. They're God, these guys, they have a God that's amazing. They were more scared of the people, and they forgot the, scare, the people were more scared of them. So we're going to take you 40 years. Now, we're going to cross over, but I need you to pay attention. Pay attention. Because if you don't pay attention, you'll miss what I have for you. How do you pay attention? You got to stop every day and pay attention to what God has to say to you today. How many know God speaks every single 
day. He doesn't take days off. In fact, he doesn't even take nights off. If you have a hard night, you pray. He listens to you. He's there with you. So miracle at flood stage in the spring, they're going to walk through. Now, here's, here's just a uh, typical analogy of this. We get up in the morning, and we get ready to go to work. Some take a shower, I hope, right? Brush your teeth, comb your hair. That's the longest part for me is combing my hair. Don't laugh. I just got one right there. And you get ready to what? Encounter people. You get yourself ready to encounter people. Well, the same way you should get up every morning and get ready to encounter God. Set yourself apart to encounter God for that day because God will tell you about your day. He will tell you about your day. It's amazing. The same way he's talking about. Consecrate. Guys, you've been in, you got idols in your tent. We got to get rid of all that. You got to get ready. You got to get dressed. In those days, you got to get dressed. got to get showered because the ark is moving. When God starts to move, you need to go with it. You need to be able to see it clearly. And guys, in 2020, God's going to move tremendously, but we have to learn to see it. Let me tell you this. If you're not prepared, because we never see the things how they really are. We see things how we are. It's like across the street five, in 2015 when I was asking God to tear that building down. Someone come tear it down. And he showed me in Isaiah 60, no, we're going to rebuild the ruins. Someone's going to come and they're going to see beauty where you see garbage. At the end of 2015, Tim Smith bought that building. But if you don't consecrate yourself, you never see what's really there. You only see what's in you. Mm. You ever notice the 10 spies, the 12 spies, Caleb and Joshua were full of faith. Mm. They saw the defeat of the enemy. The 10 were full of doubt. So they pushed that on and that's what they were full of. They all said this, saw the same thing, but it depends who's walking with God and who's not really walking with God. Who really has faith in God and who really doesn't have faith in God. Make sense? When you don't have faith, it will show up. And all the things you see. And how many know the world right now, everyone is upset about something. They don't even know what it is. Because our eyes are seeing World War III. Our eyes are seeing this. We're all seeing that. And really what he's saying, those who are believers see what's really going on. You thought you were unemployed. Now you are greatly employed with the gospel. I don't need you to be scared like them. I need you to come in and bring faith so they will not have fear. Don't get entangled in the world. Be entangled with me in heaven. So he said this in verse 4. Keep your eyes squarely on the ark of the covenant. Follow it. Say about a thousand feet from a thousand yards from it. So you'll know which way to go. Number one. Number two, because we never have been this way before. How many know faith can be scary? How many faith, you know, faith, because we love to know all the end from the beginning, don't we? But you've never been this way before. That's why you can't walk with God the way you did two years ago, because his mercies are new every morning. There's a new plan every single morning. That's where Joshua had some problems when he took over Jericho. He said, I can do the same thing with AI. It was a different plan, Joshua. 
You should ask. You shouldn't just assume that that's what's going to happen. But every single day, it's a new day. That's what he's saying. We haven't been this way before. So you got to be able to see the ark of the covenant. You need to, and what he's talking about, the whole idea is you got to know where the presence of God is going and you have to join him in his work. Where's the presence of God in your life? Where's the presence of God in your neighborhood? Where's the presence of God in your workplace? We call that the God moment when you're sharing the gospel. There's the God moment. Some people might be closed off, but when you hit a moment, they need prayer. You call that the God moment. It opened up and you can get the gospel in and it closes back up again, but you got the seed in the ground. But you got to see it. I want the Grace Point Church this year to see different. Don't want you to be consumed with fear. I want you to be able to move in faith. Our word this year in 2020 is engage. Engage our community. We're going to try our best to engage our community the, heart, the best way we know how in places we'd never thought about. And we'd never done it before. Isn't that exciting? Yeah. But you never passed this way before. Why is it important? The obedience was so important to what God wanted to do in them. If they would have missed, if they would disobey, they would have missed what God was going to do. In Joshua 7:13, after they came in the promised land, after they crossed over the Jordan, they went in chapter 6 and they took out Jericho. God said, do not touch any accursed thing. Don't touch anything that's consecrated to me. One guy, Achan, took it. His name meant trouble. He took it. Verse um, chapter 7, they said, well, we're going to go to Ai. Don't take the whole camp. We're just going to take a couple guys, and we can, we can knock out these, these little, this lightweight team. Well, they got knocked down, and, and, and they ran out of there. That's the first defeat they ever encountered because they thought God <laughs> was in there. And then um, Joshua had amazing, amazing time with the Lord. He was crying. He had ashes. He was laying on the floor, and God said, get up. I didn't do this. You did this. One, you didn't, he didn't tell him this, but you read it through there. One, you didn't even ask me. Because if you would have asked me, I would have told you Achan stole something. But he said in chapter 7, verse 13 in Joshua, consecrate yourselves or you will not be able to stand against your enemies. You will not be able to stand before your enemies. Because there is sin in your house. There's idols in your house. You can't go against the enemy if you have sin in the house. And now we misrepresent sin today. You know laziness is a sin. And we just, you know, I mean, I t- that's the worst beatings I got when my mother called me lazy. I thought, man, it was so bad. Well, she was teaching me, if you're not going to make it in life if you're lazy. Those little things in our, in our spirit in our lives, that's hey, just my issue, not sin. You need to cast it out of your tent. Otherwise, you can't stand because, let me tell you, when you, if you I don't know why I'm picking on that word lazy, but here it is. If you're lazy, you don't have to worry about the enemy taking you because you're not, you're not engaged. In fact, there's another word, apathy. When you're apathetic, enemy don't have to do nothing. Oh, you're already neutralized. Psh, don't worry about him. They don't even, in fact, they're indifferent. They don't even care. Make sense? So, I love Matthew 8, 
5.8 says, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. You will not see God if you don't have a pure heart. All right? How about that? That messes with me. That really messes with me. Because when I complain, it seems like I'm in a rut or something, and God says, check your heart, Rich. Check your heart. But you won't see what God is doing if you don't have a pure heart. Again, you will not see what God is doing. You'll see how you're doing. It's a difference in faith and fear. Now, I love this. I'm going to give you some good news. God, in his amazing grace, has given us spiritual tools to help us in our consecration and our separation. I love it. First one is prayer. Prayer is an act of consecration. How many love prayer? Not too many amens. All right. So 6 o'clock every day, Monday through Friday, and Friday we have a, a worship time. Come pray. If you don't, you're not comfortable in it, don't worry about it. There's, 100, there's going to be 100 people that are not comfortable either, but you'll be comfortable by Friday. You've never been this way before. There it is. All right? What's Luke um, 5.16 says, Christian um, Standard Bible? Yet he often withdrew to deserted places and prayed. Now, here's the one thing I want to help you with. Prayer and solitude go hand in hand. Jesus, in his amazing thing, when you ever read through the Bible, crowds are looking for him. He healed a bunch of people, and all of a sudden, he disappears and goes somewhere. And I always say this, the grace ran out. And all those who are introverts know what I'm talking about. Because all of a sudden, who you love people, 6 p.m., I am done with people. It's okay. I have to go away because I'm not energized by people. I'm energized by solitude. Extroverts are really energized by being around people. Introverts are like, I got to get out of here. Well, Jesus wasn't an introvert, but he was smart. I got to get out of here. I got to find a place where my cell phone will not find me. I took my phone now, I put it on the other side of the house. Because 6 o'clock, I love the brothers with the ping, ping, and we got words for one another. But brother, I, I mean, it's holiday. I got to sleep in a little bit, at least at 8 o'clock. But now I'm back. But I put it on the other side because I'm prone to get up first and look at that versus grab my Bible. But solitude and prayer are best friends. See, let me, what is he saying? See, the degraded demand. The greater demand that God puts on you is the greater dependence you need on him. The greater demand is the greater dependence. Now, if you have children, you have a greater demand, (laughs) and you're keeping watch over. If they're all teenagers, oh, my gosh, you have a greater demand, and you need a greater dependence on God to lead them. If you're a supervisor at the shop, have a greater demand, and I have a greater dependence on God to be able to get this right. Jesus had a great demand, mankind. He had to get away to the Father, to a private place without a cell phone those days, didn't have one, and have a, what I call prayer, a conversation with the Father. The number one thing that kills relationships in any environment is communication. 
When people assume someone said something or they didn't say it, even when you're married, communication will kill your marriage. With God, communication will kill. That's what happened to the Israelites. We assume, he said, go to A. There you go assuming. You never asked them. You can't assume that. Assuming is the lowest level of thinking. You gotta ask. Communicate with God on a daily basis. Now you gotta find your rhythm. Some are early morning rises, some are in the afternoon, some are in the evening. I would not judge you. You gotta get up when David did at five in the morning. Well, David had to get up early five in the morning because he's getting chased by Saul all the time. <laughs> I mean, you gotta get I gotta beat him before he gets up and be prayed up before he shows up. So, but you have to find your rhythm. And that's what we want to establish in the first week of 2020. You might establish your rhythm somewhere during this week. Because that's the second thing. You want to, fasting is an act of humility and consecration. I love fasting. I get to fast at least once a week. I love what Ezra 8.21 says. Then he proclaimed a fast here at the river Aha that might humble ourselves before our God and seek him a safe journey for ourselves, our children, and all our goods. What they did, they, they humbled themselves because they were going back after 70 years of being taken out. They were going back in the promised land. This is the second wave of people. The king authorized them to go, but the road was dangerous. I've been over that area. The road was dangerous, and they were praying. We got to pray, and we're, what we're doing, we're fasting for God's protection. We're, we're, praying, we're fasting for God's direction. Really, we're fasting for God, not the things of God. Listen to me. Your, your fast and your prayer life will be hindered if you're just going to go into this thing asking for stuff versus asking for him. So we talked about Saturday. Uh, Moses said, unless you go with me, God, I am not going in. Because it's possible, it's possible to get everything from God and not get him. All your lists. You can have, every, he's I'm going to send an angel, you're going to conquer the land, but I'm not going. And we can have all the things of God and not have him. And I don't want to do that. See, fasting communicates to God that our need for him is greater than any necessity. Food. Entertainment. Here's a good one. Social media. I'm talking to myself. I love to eat. You know, Pastor Ruth loves to eat. I'm going to go into a new diet because I got so convicted a few weeks ago. I'm not going to tell you who convicted me. My family, my wife. Anyway, I am, and I, but I love food. Y'all know I talk about cake all the time. In fact, I, have a, I go to the doctor every year so he can tell me my sugar intake is low so I can eat more cake. I won't ask for much. Oh, yeah, this is up. I said, that's fine. Can you fix that? Is this okay? How's the sugar? Man, your, your, your hemoglobin is amazing. Thank you. Anyway, so I love to eat. But when God says, pull back this week, some of you fast for other things, food, entertainment, social media, your phone. Fasting helps us become sensitive to the Holy Spirit. In Acts chapter 13, verse 2, when they were praying and they were ministering to the Lord, they said, separate Paul and Barnabas for the work I called them to do. They heard, the, you're sensitive to the Holy Spirit, what he tells you to do. When you stop, because you're saying, I don't need and anybody. I'm not saying you take three meals off. 
whatever that could take you away from God, that hour, replace it with something, with him, with reading the word. In fact, now with our technology, just put, I'm putting my headphones on and hearing the word. And just, I'll get in some time and just pray. And it's not about time, it's about quality. It's not about quantity. You got to take two hours to hear from God, stop it. Most of that means you're talking too much. But that's what it is. So those things help you. Second thing it actually does, I love this. It brings revival. Second Chronicles, don't we read this all the time? Second Chronicles, if my, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and what? Then I will hear from heaven, and then I will heal their land. Know what he's saying about healing that land really means in the Hebrew, I will remove the sin. That's what fasting and prayer does. You humble yourself, saying, I'm, if I don't pray, if I don't, get in my, if I don't pray to God, all I'm saying is I got this day better than you have it. And I'm good at it. I really am. Fasting's healthy. I love Daniel 1, 8 through 15. Daniel was taken in by the king, Nebuchadnezzar. He was with the slave. They're going to eat the king's delicacies. And he said, no, I'm not going to defile myself. He ate vegetables for 10 days. He ate vegetables and he drank water. And the guy said, try this on that. And all the other guys that were taken, he said, you guys are more 10 times healthier than these other guys. In fact, if you are more meaty, that means you can work more. Then these guys eating all this stuff. So what they do, they removed all that other stuff and have with the diet that Daniel had. But it also detoxes you on a lot of things. Because we eat a lot of things with preservatives in it. Amen? <laughs> My doctor told me that. There's just a lot of preservatives in that. So I stopped eating that. No, I'm not going to say that. Anyway, but it's, uh, it does that. But it really clears your mind. And once you get started, you don't want to stop. Because you like that oh, moment with God every day. And we notice when we pray, usually Tuesday or Wednesday, we need, everyone needs a boost. Because they're like, man, because, you know, even fasting, someone fasting food. Now, if you are on medication, don't do that. Okay? You find out what you eat your times, but you spend your time devoting yourself to God in other ways. Electronics, do not try to fast if you're on medication. Okay? I hear people saying, you know, you have faith. No, no, don't do that. I take blood pressure pills. I have to take stuff. I have to learn to eat. Otherwise, it will destroy my liver, okay? So I, that's how I fast. So whatever God has for you, and, and, and it's fasting God that we're going to hand out to you this, this week that you can now hand out so you can pick up in the room seven or download. tells you all the different ways to fast. Don't be afraid of it. You have never been this way before if this is the first time for you. Don't be afraid of it. Third one is reading God's word is an act of consecration says this, John chapter 17, 17. Jesus said this, Sanctify them in the truth, Lord. Your word is truth. God is the source of all truth. The biggest thing we got to fight against is not the evil and good. It's about the lies that invade our lives. What he's saying is, to sanctify the word, the truth sets you apart just because you're going by the word, not by the world. But the other thing, he says, take it like you're ingesting it like you're eating internalize the word so you start living the word and start working and walking in the word. Don't just read it as information. Read it as you're receiving something that's amazing. Read that. He says, and it'll, it'll set you apart 
you'll think even different. Some, I tell people all the time, well, I'm dealing with all these issues and fear. I said, start reading your Bible. It will change because your fears are connected to your mind and your thoughts. When you change your thoughts, you'll start changing your emotions. Right? Just separate from all that. Start reading that. Here's a scripture on this. Read it and read it and read it. Ingest it and eat it and eat it and eat it. And don't worry about it. And take some time with it. There's no rush. Because you can read the same scripture four times and get four different things. But it's nourishment to our bodies that we need. That's why I said read your Bible every day. And every day, read your Bible. Why? Because it changes my mind. It changes my habits. It changes me altogether. Well, there's a new formula. There is no other formula. He says what it is, basically the word of God, this is the very voice of God. You've got to know what the voice is saying. If you keep the, voice, the, the, book, the book closed, you won't hear his voice. What is he saying to you? That's the amazing thing. Why? It sets us apart for God's purposes. So when they say, let's go, you say, I already know where we're going because God spoke to me. And everyone speaks in that same language because God's been speaking to me. Versus this, because if you, if you don't open up the word, you don't open up the Bible, you don't have faith. But faith comes by hearing, hearing the word of who? Christ. It comes by hearing. Comes by hearing. Here's an amazing thing for me. I'm losing my hearing in my ears. And the doctor had I have a condition. And I have it's low pitch light, whatever. It's a high pitch, low pitch. He said this. I have this ringing in my ears. He said, what your ears are trying to do is correct itself. Since it's a negative, your brain is trying to create that sound that is really missing. So you have this strange noise coming into your ears. Now, it's not real because you think you're hearing something, but it's not real. Because I always said, who turned it in the TV on, honey? That's what are you doing. Go back in your room. Anyway, but, <laughs> but I noticed when I walk with God, if I don't have his word in my ears, I got strange words in my ears. Words of doubt, words of fear, division. They ring in my ear. And I think that's the word, but it's not. And you have a lot of things pushing on you every day. But you need to have the word of God to push back. When Jesus was tempted, he used the word. It is written. It is written. It is written. Satan didn't lie. And then Satan tried to come back with it and try to paraphrase it. And, you got, and Jesus said, that's not right. Because, you know, a lie is 90% true. It's that 10% you miss. That's why feelings can be, think it's true. They're powerful. But all they do is tell you that there's a lie going on. You need to get with the truth. Make sense? So um, what was that? Why? Because he's trying to say you, you fight unbelief. Unbelief says this. Let's go back to where it is safe. Versus faith says, let's go where the presence of God is. And where's the presence of God? Across the Jordan. You mean, the, is that the plan you have? Yes, across the Jordan. You're going to step in, the Jordan is running over, and then when it comes up, it's going to be heap, and you, I mean, heaps of water on either side. You're going to walk across. A million people are going to walk across this land on dry ground. I don't even see a way. Well, you got to better see a way because you see it in faith, and then you go ahead and apprehend it by your actions. 
<laughs> That's what I like about faith. When you have no faith, you can't see anything. We're saying, well, you're crazy. That's not going to work. That's not going to work. I know it's not going to work. That's why God put it that way. It's not going to work in my eyes, but it's only worked in his eyes. See, he saw you before you even saw yourself. You're valuable. You're amazing. You're awesome. Wow. You know, no, I'm not. I don't feel like it. Don't matter what you feel like. He already paid the price. Jesus paid the price for you. You're very valuable. Yeah. Right? That's faith. That's what's crazy about it. And when older you get, the more faith you need. Because you have faith in your mind. I can do this. Yeah. And your body says, yeah, right? You better get on that before you do that. I'm glad I've got faith. Faith to see a lot of things. Faith we had around this building. That this neighborhood's going to come up. They can't believe the things that are going to be happening around us. Baseball fields, housing area, all this stuff. I mean, you know they had faith when they redid our streets before they did everyone else's. I know that I've been for 22 years. I've never seen that. <laughs> Why? He said this, Matthew 4, 4, when Jesus is being tempted. He answered, it's written, man shall not live by bread alone, but every word that comes from the mouth of God. Wow. Say every word. Every word. Every word. And every word picks me up. It don't, make, don't give me weight. God's word don't give me weight. It, make, it makes me feel like, I'm, okay, what was I thinking? And he says, yeah, you weren't. I know. But it gives me joy because everything I deal with is in that book. It is. It's in that book. I get up every week. They're going to hear me. I don't worry about it. Ain't about you hearing you. It's about me hear, them hearing me. Okay. Got it. So three things. I said pray, fast, and read this week. And then we're going to do it together jointly. Now, why does God call us to do those things? Because all God wants you to do is start to live at the level that he declared you. He wants you to fulfill your identity on how he identifies you. Do you know God considers us a consecrated people already? And we didn't even do anything yet? Listen to First Peter. You're like, really? Yeah. He gave you life. Jesus consecrated us. Look at First Peter 2.9. I love this. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own, his own possession. Wow. We're owned by God? Yes. That you may proclaim the excellence of him who called you out of darkness, right? Separate you from darkness and called you into it and separate you to his light. What a word. What a God. That's amazing. Did I deserve it? No. That's why I love amazing grace. You didn't get what we deserve. Why? Because God tells us who we are, and then he calls up to live up to that level. It's amazing when he says, hey, like I think it was um, Terrence said, you're a king. You're a king. You're a king. So he starts, and little Trey starts to live up to the level of a king. Hey, you're chosen. Hey, you're holy. Well, let me start acting like it since you already called me that already. Come on. I'm a royal priesthood. Let me put my head up and not walk around like, oh, life is hard. You know, Jesus, I need an answer from you. Stop that. The relationship's the most important thing you have in your life. And that's what he calls us. 
You mean a kid from New York City, a crazy kid, is chosen? Yeah. And I'm holy? <laughs> and you see what I did last night? Doesn't matter what you did. It's what Jesus did. Isn't that amazing? You know what the Lord, you know what the world needs right now? People who believe that. You know what your neighbors need right now? The seed on your face. You could be struggling all day, but it doesn't take away the truth of who you are. That's the greatest thing about it. That's the greatest thing in the world. He does that. He says, I give you all these amazing tools from my grace to live and become identified, really to live up to what I called you, holy, blameless, chosen. I always ask people in a new members class, if Jesus was coming back tomorrow, would you go? And they're like, well, did you accept Christ? Yes, I did. All right, well, are you holy? Um, no, because know what they're doing? They're actually giving their level of love. They're giving their level of acceptance on what they've done versus what Jesus already did. That's why he came. He died on the cross for us. He took all. He became sin for us. He knows the end from the beginning. He's the Alpha and the Omega. What is he saying? Children of Israel. Grace Point Church, I'm going to bring you out so I can bring you in. But you got to know what I'm going to do. You got to be ready. So if you pray, you'll be ready. If you fast, you'll be ready. If you read my word, you'll be ready. Some of you have some career changes that are coming in your life this, this year, and you got to be ready. Don't get caught off guard. And how are you going to find it? Through him. And you better enjoy every moment of discovering who he is. Because he wants you to know who he is before he wants you to do what he wants you to do. Wow. doesn't care about what you do. It's about who he is. The whole greatest thing we have through our, um, these tools is we get to know God more. Yes. And that relationship's amazing. I've been married 32 years. It's amazing. And I thought I knew everything. I know nothing about my wife. I know a lot. But there's so much more to discover. And that's the fun thing about it. So I don't know something about God today. Tomorrow, I'll be revealed to me. That's the greatest thing about it. This week, we're going to stop. We're going to pray. We're going to fast. We're going to read. There's a manual here about our prayer uh, for our fasting guide, the whole church. Every day, on Monday through Friday, six to seven, we'll come here and pray. Pray for our nation. What do you believe? What do you guys believe in God for in, in your life? We're going and we're gonna pray over that. We're gonna pray over our neighborhood. We're gonna pray for our nation. We're gonna pray for our future church plants. But here's the greatest thing: we're gonna do it together. That's what the greatest thing about this week is a pause so you can hear God. We're gonna pause so you can hear God. This, you see your prayer cards on either side? Pick that up. And I want you to write, you don't have to put your name on it. Write down, what are, you, what are you expecting God to do in 2020? What do you believe in God for? Just take a moment and fill that out. 
What do you believe in God for in 2020? And you can leave it there. You can put it in our box. And what we're going to do as a group of people, we're going to, as we break into groups this week, there's no names on. We're going to pray over every need because we believe when two or three are gathered in your name, there I am in the midst, and I will do exactly what I said I was going to do. That's it. But these are $2 in room seven, or you can pull it down on the www.enfast.org. I don't think we have it up here. But come. Come pray. Figure out how you want fast food, social media, entertainment. I'm glad football's on Sunday, so I won't watch it all this week. I won't watch first take. I'll pray. I can't believe I made that declaration in front of people. Come on, come on. All right. <laughs> and, and you'll turn into a discipline versus a, a one-time deal. Remember, you said the grace sustains us. And we're going to go, and this whole week, next six weeks, we're going to go deep into God's word about grace. Deep into it. Because some of us are working way too hard for something Jesus already done. When you fill those out, you can put them on your seats or you can stand up wherever you are.